Hey, it's Pastor Kevin here. I just want to say thanks for stopping by and listening to Thrive Church's messages online today. We're excited that you have decided to join us in hearing God's Word. It's been amazing the past six and a half years what God has done at Thrive Church. We've been able to do ministry at what I call the speed of God, to see God do amazing things. We've been able to to launch multiple locations and also plant another church even in our own community that's autonomous. We've been able to give to missions. We've been able to help build houses and build churches around the world. We've even blessed church plants here in the metro Richmond area. And we've been able to do all this because of your generosity. We've been able to do ministry at what I call the speed of God. And so what we're doing from now until the end of the year, we're doing something called the Accelerate Offering, and you'll hear about that. And what that means is this. Someone asked me the other day about the vision for Thrive Church. I began to share the vision of Thrive Church, and then they asked me, when will this be accomplished, you think? And I had to pause, and I said, you know what? We will never be able to outrun our resources and do what God's called us to do without the proper resources. And so what we're asking um, each attendee attendee or, or, or person that's listening today online, here's what we're asking. We're asking that you would pray and ask God how you could help accelerate the vision of God for 2019. We're asking you to pray and ask God to move on your heart on what you should do. We're only able to do what we do because of generosity. And we've been a generous church because we have generous people in our church. And so we believe that our best year is ahead of us in 2019. We believe that God wants to do amazing things. We saw 68 people water baptized in 2018. We believe God wants to do more in 2019. We believe that God wants to help other church plants and help missionaries around the world. And that's going to happen by us all engaging the mission of God by generosity. So if you will, stop by www.thrivechurch.me. That's thrivechurch.me. And there's different ways you can give. And I want you to pray about partnering with this ministry so people can hear about Jesus around the world. Well, I hope you enjoy today's message. And I pray that it encourages you and it blesses you as you continue to take next steps in your faith journey. You've probably heard growing up this saying, and I guarantee you can finish it, that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so untrue, right? Like sticks and stones do hurt your bones and words do hurt us. Words uh, shape our lives. It's kind of like saying, you know, that saying would be like saying, okay, rain makes me wet and gravity will never hurt me. If you believe that, then go stand on the top of our building and, well, not our building and do this because I don't want you to get hurt on our premises, but go to a building down the street and get on top and jump off that building and see if gravity does not affect you. It will. And words affect us. It should be said this way, that sticks and stones break our bones and words will crush our souls. Because words do that. They shape our life. There was a a researcher that, that did some studies on couples, newlywed couples in the 90s and they followed these couples for 10 years and they found out the ones that ended up in divorce in 10 years had twice as many negative put downs as the ones who didn't twice as many and he came to this conclusion is that hostile put downs will erode and act as a cancer to any relationship 
words do matter. As a matter of fact, we're in this series called The Ghost of Christmas Past, and that's why you saw the video and you see our stage layout, because what we're looking at during the Christmas season are emotions that could actually sink our lives, not just Christmas. And so week one, if you weren't with us, we looked at the emotion of offense, and offense is holding on to bitterness and anger. And we said that many times when you hold on to offense, you think you're punishing the other person by putting them in a prison, but actually you're putting yourself in a prison when you live with anger and unforgiveness. Last week during Snowmageddon 2018, hopefully the last one of the year, right? Um, we hosted a Facebook live service and I talked to you about shame and what shame does to us and it makes us believe that we're something that we're really not. And today what I want to talk to you about is labels and what labels do to us in our lives. And maybe you've experienced labels in your life. Maybe as a child you were labeled as something by a parent. Maybe it was a brother or sister. Maybe it was, uh, you know, recently a spouse. They labeled you. They said something about you that shaped you. Maybe you were called a screw-up, a failure. You'll never get it right. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be good enough. And what happens when those labels attach themselves to us, we begin to live those things out. Matter of fact, in Proverbs 18.21, Solomon wrote this. And him being a Jew, they were really keen on blessing and cursing. And cursing wasn't stumping your toe and saying a bad word. <laughs> cursing was actually pronouncing a curse on somebody. They did that. Or you pronounced blessing. They really believed in that. They also believed in the power of words. And here's what he wrote in Proverbs 18.21. And you've probably heard this before. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue, our tongues, have the power of life had the power of death. That we can literally speak blessing over someone and shape their life or we can speak cursing over them and shape their life. And I'm not sure if you've been on the receiving end of this. I know I have in my life and I've faced things and maybe you had some labels put on you but labels affect us and here's what they do to us and you write this in your notes. Here's today's big idea. is that many of us struggle in the present because of a past label. Many of us struggle in the present because of a past label. We had a misleading label put on our lives. Something that misrepresented who we really were. And you know, let's be honest. Maybe the label was partially true. I screwed up a lot when I was a kid, right? But I began to believe that I was a failure. I began to believe that I was no good. I began to live out those things. As a matter of fact, when I got into high school, I began to put labels on myself like, man, I'm just going to be the wild man. I'll become popular by doing, doing what nobody else will do. I'll do crazy stuff. And so I labeled myself that way. My mom and dad labeled me certain ways. And I began to live those things out. And here's the tension. Some of those labels are true. Maybe you made some bad decisions. Maybe you did mess up. Maybe you did do those things. But let me say this to you. Here's what today's message is all about. What is true about you today doesn't have to be true about you forever. What was true about you in your past doesn't have to be true about you forever. Does that make sense to you? Is that what was true? Maybe it was partially true and you've been, you know, kind of um, just stuck because of that. Doesn't have to be true about you forever. Maybe it was partially true. Maybe it wasn't true at all. But I want us today to find freedom from that because Jesus has a label that he wants to put on you. That he wants you to know about you. And if we're honest today, followers of Jesus are the worst about labels, aren't they? 
We're the worst with unforgiveness. Can we be honest? I, I know it's really hard for me. Maybe forgiveness is super easy for you, and we'll have you teach next, next week on it. But for me, it's that way. If somebody does me wrong, I kind of like put that label on them in my mind. And we do that. You know how I know we're really bad at this? There's a guy that followed Jesus... One of his closest disciples, his name was Thomas. Now, for you guys that know this, what was Thomas's nickname? You all said Doubting Thomas, right? We just, I mean, even if you've not been to church in years, you've heard of Doubting Thomas. And rightfully so, Jesus resurrects from the dead. And Thomas says, well, I'm not sure that I believe or not. And which, which, you know, hey, look, if I have a friend, a leader that gets up from the dead and looks in a glorified, I'd be a little skeptical too. But he says, let me see the nail prints in your hands. He shows it to him. Jesus does. And then what does Thomas do? He bows down and kneels and says, my Lord, my Lord. Like, you know, he, he surrenders to Jesus. He follows Jesus. He leads for Jesus. Matter of fact, tradition and history tell us that Thomas went to India and carried the gospel to India. He was martyred for the gospel. But what do we still call Thomas today? Doubting Thomas. Friends, he is in heaven. He's worshiping Jesus. He's made more impact than we'll all make. And that poor man is still called Doubting Thomas. That's how I know that followers of Jesus are bad at putting labels on people. Because we still do it to him. But the truth of the matter is uh, that we all face labels. And if we don't understand how to overcome it, it affects every area of our life. Matter of fact, your relationship with God, it'll, it'll affect that. If you begin to live by a label and believe you're something that you're not, you will literally say, well, why should I pray? Why would God want to listen to me? I'm a screw up. I have nothing to offer God. Why should I try to read the Bible? You know, they always said I was dumb. They always said I, I wasn't very smart. Why should I try to read this complicated book? I can't understand it. Why should I try to go do this? If, if you're a parent, why should I really? I, I, I don't know what, it, what it, I mean, that People told me I was worthless my whole life. I don't know how to be a parent. That's my dad's excuse. He never had a dad, so he was like, well, I don't know how to be a dad. He labeled himself as that. It could be serving God. What do I have to offer God? I have nothing. God, I mean, if the church knew what I did throughout the week... If the church knew this about me, they would never let me serve anywhere. I am not good enough. And we begin to label ourselves and let other people label us as something. And here's the cycle. And here's where it gets dangerous. When you begin to live by labels, you know what happens? You begin to label other people as well. When you've lived in, in, in a situation and you've had death spoken to you and cursing spoken over you and people say things about you, you begin to perpetuate that to others. That's, that's what I did. And you begin to push others down because you feel so bad about yourself. See, today it's not only just about you removing the label from your life, but it's about us as followers of Jesus using our tongues to speak life and speak blessing over other people so we can stop the cycles in our lives. It's like parents, dads in here, can I encourage you with something? If you have a daughter, she needs to hear from you that she's beautiful and that she's worth it. And you need to look her in the eye and say, you're the most beautiful thing on planet earth. And don't let some little two-bit guy come around and try to, you're worth it. Raise the price tag, sweetheart. You are worth it. That's what we have to do is speak blessing. Three people will do it. The rest are not sure. But that's speaking blessing to other people. It's, it's not withholding love and withholding that. It's looking at your spouse and telling them the good things about them. Because we're always having to, to debate, right? We'll call that instead of arguing. It's learning to begin to relabel other people and speak life to them as well. 
And in my life, I was shaped by these things. I mean, growing up, yeah, I heard a lot of stuff and I had my own things I dealt with. But after I began to follow Jesus, there were people who spoke life and people who spoke death to me. There were people who lived blessing and people who also pronounced cursing in my life. I'll never forget when I first gave my life to Christ, and I tell this story all the time, that I was a young punk rocker. I had leopard print hair. Yes, I did have hair at one point. Um, I've not always been like this. Uh, My son believes I have at three and a half. Um, I've got to show him pictures, but I did. And I went to a church. It was 20 years ago. You didn't have pastors that dressed like this. It was very rare in the south where I I grew up, and you didn't have people who dressed like y'all dressed in church. What are y'all doing? Wear your suits and ties. So so what happened was everybody had suits and ties, and everybody, and I didn't have any dress clothes. And I got saved in this church, and I loved Jesus, and, and man, I had, yes, I had tattoos, still have them, I had piercings, a lot of them, and I skateboarded, and I played this really loud, obnoxious punk rock music that you would probably not like, and the youth pastor that was there called me worldly. Well, he's just, he just follows the flesh, and he said all these, like, really mean things about me that got back to me, and it crushed me to the point I thought, well... I guess I, I, I wasn't even allowed to play on the worship team. I wasn't invited to leadership meetings. It was like the little reindeer games and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of left outside of it because of a wrong label just because the person didn't understand me. Well, fast forward, uh, when I got into ministry and I was in college, I went and met with a district overseer who was an older man of God who had pastored. And I met with him and I said, um, I, I brought a book that I had written and I brought it to him. And I gave it to him. I said, sir, would you mentor me and teach me how to pastor people? I really respect you. I'll never forget. He had his, his glasses down like this. He's looking at paperwork. He takes the book and says, oh, thank you. That's cool, buddy. Slides it under his papers. He says, okay, well, I'll, I'll get with you sometime. And keeps writing. And I'm like, okay, do I leave now? And I just kind of walked out of the office and nothing ever happened with that. And it crushed my spirit. It broke me. It was death. It was a label. It was something that I began to label myself. Yeah, Kevin, you're not good enough. Nobody won't say. You see how that works in your life? And then when I moved to Virginia, we, my wife and I moved here on a part-time salary, totally by faith to do what we're doing here. And we came here and there were some churches in the local network that began to say things like, well, he doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, he's this and he's that. I'm like, no, I just want to create a church where people can invite their unchurched friends. We love the Holy Spirit here. We believe in all the gifts. We believe that God heals people. It's great. We do. But they couldn't understand me, so they mislabeled me, and that crushed my spirit. That was death. But can I give you the bright side of it? There was another youth pastor who came into my life after the other one left, and he spoke blessing into me. He saw gifting in me. He said, man, you've got a gift to teach. I was like, gift to teach? They, they, they wouldn't let me teach kids at this church, anybody. You know, I, I couldn't teach Sunday school. He said, you've got a gift to teach. He says, matter of fact, you've got a gifting to go start things. You ever thought about ministry? I was like, dude, no, nobody wants me to go into ministry here. I was voted least likely in that church to go into ministry. And he spoke life into me. And it created who I am today. Then I remember when we were launching our first church in Florida. And we were so broke we couldn't pay attention. It was, you know, ADD from from being broke. (laughs) Please laugh at my jokes today, guys. I'm really trying here. (laughs) Thank you. Some of y'all got it. Some of you will get it over lunch and you'll laugh. And so uh, there was this pastor 
who pastored a very large church. Matter of fact, that's our worship leaders who were um, who just moved back to North Carolina. That's their home church. And Pastor Farrell Hardison, and I really appreciated this guy and what he was doing. And I'll never forget Pastor Farrell sent me a message. He said, "Hey, man, we're going to support your church plant financially. We're going to send you a gift because I believe in you, and I believe you can do anything that God's called you to do." And I was like, the first time a father figure older me that ever spoken life to me. I'll never forget whenever we came here to Virginia, there were pastors, and there was one in particular. I, I, you know, I sat with, with, with this, this network here, and I'm talking to these leaders here, and they're like drilling me about whether or not I should be allowed to come in and, and launch this church. Was I good enough? That's the whole thing. Was I a leader? And they were drilling all these questions, and one guy stopped them. He said, guys, will you all just please stop for a second? Just stop. No more questions about leadership. And he looked at me. He said, son, you're a leader. He said, and you're going to do great over there in North Chesterfield. He said, we're not going to talk any more leadership questions. Look at what this guy's done. My stamp of approval is on him. Can we please move on? And do you know what that did for me? I was like, yeah, yeah, what he said. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the power of speaking life to people and speaking blessing to them. It's encouraging them. It's labeling them like God wants them to be labeled and not labeling people in ways that could shape their future in negative ways. And as followers of Jesus, we should be the ones to label people the right way. Because maybe you have been mislabeled by people. Maybe you've had misleading labels in your life. Matter of fact, this week I did some really deep theological research. I got on the internet and Googled uh, <laughs> about labels and food and all that. You know, you walk in a grocery store, on the front of the box, there's all these things they say about food. And so it was like 11 misleading labels about food. It was going through and it blew me away because like it said at one point, it said at one point, like when it says all natural, that literally means nothing. FDA has very little regulations on that. And I'm always buying all natural stuff. Like, this is all natural. God be good, right? It was showing that when you look at the, the contents, it's a misleading label that could actually harm you. Which says no sugar added. Oh, that's got to be better than the stuff with sugar added. Or sugar free. That's really got to be much better for All that stuff is misleading to you. And we're buying this stuff because, hey, this got to be okay. And it can harm us. Do you know misleading labels can harm you and harm others as well? And what I want to do today, when we leave this church today, I want you to understand that God has labeled you you a certain way and he sees you a certain way and people may have labeled you one way but God wants to re-label you and here's what we're going to look at today briefly is in Genesis 35 verse 16 we're going to be there in your copy of God's word and we're going to look at a really weird love triangle this is one of the reasons I know the Bible is real because other religious books one man writes it and everybody's perfect let's be honest here, you're going to see some crazy stuff. I hope nobody's from West Virginia because it might bring some memories back. No, I'm just joking. But, but I if you're from West Virginia, I love you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't look at me like that. It's a <laughs> So you have Rachel, Leah, and Jacob, and Laban. Here's what happens. This guy named Jacob, you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name later got changed to Israel, and that's how you get the name Israel. But, but Jacob, one of the forefathers of the Jewish faith, is going to a well one day to get some water. And when he walks up to this well, he sees a girl named Rachel, and he's like, oh, I mean, he's just, whoa. 
And that's how we knew that it was like love at first sight. I guess you can call it some of y'all. Like it says that she was perfect in form and lovely. That's what the Bible says. Don't look at me like that. Again, that's why I, I love the Bible because it's just real and raw. And so he sees this woman. He's like, I want to marry her. Now here's the kicker. That's his cousin. <laughs> I'm being real. And so he goes to Uncle Laban. <laughs> That's why I gave the West Virginia comment. Now you know why. He goes to Uncle Laban. He says, I want to marry Rachel. He says, okay, here's what we'll do. Here's the deal. You work seven years and you can marry her. This guy does it. Young single men in here. If you really want her, just tell you work for seven years, right? You all hate me now. And so seven years he works for this one girl. And on the wedding day, Laban pulls the wool over his eyes. He gets, uh, he get, uh, again, this is the Bible. He gets some stone cold drunk. He pulled out the wedding wine and there was a little too much. And here's how bad it was. Jacob wakes up the next morning and it's not Rachel that he married. This is like a movie, like, right? This is like the hangover original. <laughs> just being honest. Like he wakes up like, who, who did I marry? Who did I just marry? And it was Leah, her sister. And here's how it described Leah. It says that she had weak eyes. <laughs> Rachel, perfect in form and lovely. And she had, it means she had a good personality, right? And so what Laban did was he married off the girl who he thought wouldn't get married. Let's just be honest. That's what happens. And so Laban's like, oh man, it must have been a really tough night for all of us. Here's what we'll do. You can work seven more years and you get Rachel. So he goes back to work seven more years, 14 years for this one woman, right? Like she must have been everything that scripture said about her because 14 years for this one woman. And he finally marries her. But here's the problem. Leah could have a lot of children and she did for him. And that day and time, having children, the more the merrier. You know, like it means you were really blessed by God. That's the way that they viewed it back then. And Rachel could have no children. And Rachel, I guess, often looked and it hurt to see how happy Leah and the children made Jacob. But she couldn't provide that for her husband. But she finally gets pregnant and she's going to have a son. And I want you to look at what happens here at childbirth. In Genesis 35, verse 16, it says, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you have another son. And as she breathed her last, for she was dying, this is during childbirth, she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father, Jacob, named him Benjamin. In a tough season of her life, she labeled her son as Ben-Oni. That means son of sorrow. Then it says, his father renamed him. She was going through a, the most traumatic season of her life, which was death. And in that moment, she labeled her son and that season as something bad. And then the father came and named it something different. He named him Benjamin, which is son of my right 
hand. And if you know Jewish culture, the right hand was blessing. That's why it says Jesus is at the right hand of God. And that was saying, Benjamin, my son, will be the son of blessing, the son of favor. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and did so much for Christianity, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, it says in the book of Galatians. So Benjamin was huge. But his mother, in a difficult season, labeled him something that could have been different for him. See, in that culture, the name meant something. Like, now we, just, we name them names we like, right? I have no idea, like, really what my name means. I need to Google it, right? I have no clue. Like, I guess my parents liked it, and they called me that. But in that day and time, you named a child for the meaning that it had because that was like the prophetic future that child was going to have. And in that moment, Rachel ended up calling her son something and labeling him something in a temporary situation that could have affected his life. And many times in our life, when we're going through a tough season, we're going through a, a season maybe we did fail, maybe we did mess up, maybe things are going rough, we had the same tendency to label things just like she did. But Jacob came along and renamed him. I think Jacob knew something about renaming, didn't he? Because Jacob, when he was born, his name meant heel grabber, deceiver, cheater, liar. And if you read the story of Jacob, he lived up to every bit of it. Until at one moment he wrestled with God and his life was changed and God renamed him. And that moment was so powerful there that he renamed the place that he was at. Called it Bethel and then El Bethel. Because he learned the power of being renamed. Being relabeled. And that's what he did for his son. See, in our life, I want you to write this down. Many times in our lives, we don't get to choose what comes into our life. We don't get to choose what comes into our life. And there are things in your life that came into your life. There are people that said things about you and to you. And you didn't get to choose that. Rachel didn't get to choose the situation that she was in. But here's the kicker when it comes to labeling. Are you ready? You do get to choose what you call it. You don't get to choose what happens, but you get to choose what you call it. You get to choose how you label it. Rachel labeled her son and the situation as one thing, and Jacob labeled that situation as another. And that's what we have to do as followers of Jesus in our own lives. You have to learn to call it like God calls it. You've got to learn to label yourself as God has labeled you. Because you may think, you know what? Yeah, I am lazy. I am no good. But you say, no, 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 no. In Christ, I have motivation. In Christ, he does make me disciplined. And I will accomplish all that he's called me to do. You may think, you know, I'm just a loser and a failure. I couldn't even get through that class in school. I can't do this. I can't do that. And God wants to let you know that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You may say, man, I'm a cheater, a loser, I'm, 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 I'm insecure, I'm no good. And you can say, no, 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 but in Christ, I have the confidence of God in me. And I am confident because of who Christ has made me. See, the world will label you one way. Amen. But then you can understand God has labeled you a whole different way. And many times we're living out things in our life because we've been labeled the wrong way. We've been labeled a certain way. And you've had cursing and death. And people didn't even know they were doing it. And they did it to you. Had no clue. And here's what it comes down to. I can't believe this for you. Your mama can't believe this for you. 
granddaddy's faith and grandmama's faith can't do it for you, you have to believe it for yourself. And that's what I do, guys. When I run into a place and I say, well, you know what? You're just not good enough, Porto. People aren't going to like you. That's just not going to happen. You're right. You know? It's what they always said. It's true. I pause. I pull back and say, no, no, no. It's like I said last week. I may not be good enough in my own strength and who I am. But in Christ, I can do everything he's called me to do in my life. See, we've got to learn to take those misleading labels off in our life and relabel ourselves. You don't get to choose what comes in your life many times, but you do get to choose what you call it. You may say, man, I'm going through a terrible season in life. It's just bad right now. No, 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 no. In Christ, you're going through a season of blessing even though it's painful. And God's working in you and he's working in that situation and he's shaping you. Learn to relabel it. Stop calling things Ben Oni and start calling them Benjamin in your life. Start, stop looking in the mirror and saying, I'm just ugly. I'm no good. Start looking in the mirror and saying, I am a wonderful creation of God and he has plans for me and I will walk out everything that he's called me to do. And when you start doing that, you'll do that for other people. Every time I have a chance to get with a pastor, I speak life into them. Matter of fact, this morning I was going through Westchester Commons where I live close to there. I'm, I go through to get my, my morning. It really helps me preach. It's called Starbucks with a shot of espresso in it. I'm talking about a grande pike with a shot. And I don't, I, I mean a shot of espresso for you to don't go to Starbucks. You may get, you may have, give me a label about something. As I drove through that Starbucks, here's what I do. I texted my friend who's over at the Regal Cinema over there launching a brand new church. Moved here from Missouri. And I said, hey man, I'm praying for you. You're doing a great work for God. You be encouraged what God's doing there. And I texted my other friend over there at Hope Point at that campus. And I said, hey John, I'm praying for you this morning, man. I believe people's lives are going to be changed because of what you're doing. And matter of fact, I texted my friend at Life Point up in Glen Allen and said, man, I just feel like God's telling me to pray for you today. I feel like you're going to make great impact. He said, man, I'm preaching today. It's not the video sermon it's me I said dude you're going to kill it it's going to be awesome see when you begin to speak those things in your own life it gives you propensity to speak into other people's lives and you begin to become a label maker for other people as we leave here this week not only let God change the label in your life when you look in the mirror see what God sees but also begin to change the labels of other people as well let's pray this morning God We are so grateful as we celebrate this Christmas season as we've probably been mislabeled and misrepresented. We thank you, God, that you've given us a label that you show us in Scripture. Now, Father, I pray right now for everyone in here who is struggling today because of past labels. May they, by faith, rip those labels off and put on the label that you've given them. I pray for those today, Father, that have realized that maybe they're, they're not speaking life to people and blessing over people and encouraging people. May we leave as followers of Jesus. And may we, Lord, encourage people and speak life to them and be a label changer for people in their life. Father, thank you for forgiveness through Jesus. Thank you for a brand new start through Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you changed the direction of lives. That literally today there are people in this auditorium, God, that they want a change of direction in a new life and you give it through Jesus. I pray that they would open their hearts for that today. 
And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, today, if you want a fresh start with Jesus, maybe you want to give your life to Jesus and you want a new direction in your life, you want to change the label, maybe you walked away from God. And maybe today's the day you're you're coming back to faith in Christ. Maybe you've never come to faith in Christ and surrendered to him. Today is your day. And right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this after me if that's you. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross. And three days later... You raised him from the dead. I believe that he is at your right hand. And I believe he will come again to earth. I believe today that he forgives sins. So God, will you forgive me of my sins? Will you give me a fresh start? Will you give me the new label and the new direction that you promised through Jesus? And it's in Jesus' good name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Amen.